We'll go to Galatians chapter 4, and um, I know the Cowboys kick off at noon, so I'll do my best so you can go watch them lose, or maybe win against someone they should, and then lose against everyone else, I don't know. Uh, Everybody good? I'm not going to waste any time. Ready? Galatians 4 is where we're going, and I heard... uh, I heard someone say this this, this last week. This, uh, this was a testimony of someone who had been an alcoholic. Their person's mom committed suicide. This person had, had come to the end of themselves, and they were also going to commit suicide, and Jesus rescued them. And, and so this is, uh, this is what I heard, heard them say. It's when you've lost your soul and God gives it back to you, there's nothing you want to protect more. When you've lost your soul and God, in His mercy and grace, gives it back to you, there's nothing you want to protect more than that. And so everything we do here, everything we've been teaching, everything we've been, we've been digging deep for a while. I mean, you felt it. We've been digging deep on Sundays and on Wednesday nights, digging into what we really believe, what our hungers really are. Sometimes it's it's a scary thing to find out what our real passions are, but it's really simple. Here's how we know what our passions are, what we spend our time on, what we spend our money on. And that will always point to what we really value and what we really care about. And so we've been kind of assessing that for quite a few, this whole year actually has been a year of digging deep, making sure our foundations are secure. How many, how many have been going on this journey this year? The, making sure the foundational things you believe about God are there. Because um, if a storm comes and when a storm comes, we want to be anchored, Right? We don't want to be shaken. And so we've been digging into that. And, and, and because our soul is the most important thing that we have, our relationship with the Father is the most important thing. We say this a lot. I say this a lot. But Jesus rarely got defensive unless they said he wasn't in his Father or he wasn't God's Son. And then he got really defensive because him being a son to the Father was the most important thing to him. So they could say all kinds of things about him, and he would teach them, you know, he would kind of slap them without them knowing it, you know, subtly. And then when they would try to say, you're not from the Father, he would get very defensive because it was his core value. It was the most important thing to him. And I would love to see everyone in here, you can say what you want about me. You can attack my character. You can call me religious. You can whatever you want. I don't care. But if you say that I don't have a connection with the Father, then those are fighting words. We can fight about that, and I think it's okay. I will fashion a whip and fight because I am connected to my Father. How many feel the same way? You can talk bad. He said, bless those who curse you. Who cares if they curse you? Bless them. Who cares what people say about you? He even said, even those that despitefully use you. That one's the hardest one for me because I don't like to be used. We all have the radar. We can feel when someone's using us or wanting something from us without having a partnership there. It's a one, one-way track. You can feel that, and we hate that. But Jesus said, don't even worry about that. Bless those that even use you and despitefully use you. Go ahead, bless them. If they persecute you, bless them. But if they tell you you're not my father, you can fight about it. That's my translation of the gospel. If they say you're not connected to me, it's Jared Patterson translation. I don't know how to find it. I feel like that's the sum of the kingdom. That, I feel like that's it. 
Jesus, this is my beloved son. With him, I'm well pleased. Before he ever performs miracles, it was all about being a son. It was relational. And um, last week, if you were here, we, we talked about how faith works. Faith does something. And it's impossible to claim that we are in right relationship with the Father if our actions don't back up what we say we believe. The temptation, though, with that is to get into works. Well, I've got to make sure I'm doing all the right things because I need to make sure people know and that, that my exterior proves that I'm connected to the Father. After all, he says, this is how you'll know you're my, my disciples. Uh, the, the works that you do and the love you have one for another are two ways we will know that we're disciples of Jesus. We look like him, we act like him. So what we try to do is fix everything up. Am I telling the truth? <clears throat> I want to I want to say this. I'm going to find it really quick if I can. In my notes here, because I'm jumping around just to start off, which is always fun. I would just get to it in a minute. You know, in Galatians four, let's read this real quick. I don't want to. Galatians four, Father, we ask that you would add your your blessing on what we do here. I pray that it would shift us into a lifestyle change that will produce fruit inside of us. Lord, not only quickly developing fruit, but long-lasting fruit, God. Like you said, fruit that will remain. We're not interested in, in glamour and in, in, uh, being famous for a short season. We want to finish strong. We want to finish the race. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that's, he put his highest value on those that finish. To him who endures to the end, he will receive the crown of life. Not the one who, who was the brightest star on the highest pedestal. Not the one who did the most on the earth, not the one who prophesied the most, but the one who finishes gets the crown of life, gets the reward. And I want to finish. So let's read Galatians 4, and we'll... This is to piggyback on last week. So this is five weeks in a row where we're preaching basically on repentance restores the standard. And um, just, just so you know, last week we highlighted the vi vitality of knowing that if I'm in a right relationship with Jesus, if I'm connected to Him and I'm connected to the Father, there will be fruit in my life that people can look at and know whether or not my heart is connected to God or not. All right. So you can go back and listen to that if you'd like to, and this will hopefully clean up some of the stuff we opened up last week. All right? <clears throat> we are in relationship. Righteousness with God is relational. It is not performance-driven. We cannot do enough to earn right relationship with God. We have to start with right relationship and work our way outward. How many of you know the scripture that says you're supposed to work out your salvation? Fear. <clears throat> with fear and trembling. Which means there's some work involved. It's like, how many have ever gardened? I haven't gardened. I'd like to someday. We'll get some land and do some gardening. But you don't just plant the seeds and water it, and then all of a sudden everything is just perfect. It's not just seed and water and sunlight. You've got to take care and make sure the soil is fertile. Like You could put the wrong dirt there, and nothing's going to grow. Or it may grow, but it won't have any fruit on the vine. Or you can, there can be other kinds of weeds and things that creep up in there that you don't even see because they're under the surface, or bugs or some kind of thing, and you're doing all, I'm watering, there's sunlight, we've got seed planted in the ground, why is it not growing? Because there's... There are things hidden underneath the soil, under the surface, that we don't see sometimes. And so it's very important that you and I work out our salvation where we dig deep, where we look. 
well, it seems like I'm doing the right things. I'm watering, I'm, I've got seed planted, I'm getting sunlight, but there, there's no fruit here. Well, then I need to examine and ask Holy Spirit to examine myself. It's not a scary thing for Holy Spirit to look inside of us. Because He doesn't look inside to punish us. He doesn't look inside to say, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, and people don't like you. He's not, <laughs> I'm glad there's some people that know the reference thing. He, he's not there to do that. He's there to find where you are fruitful and to make you more fruitful. And He's there to confront anything that keeps you from being fruitful. He's not there to confront you and, and bring warfare to you. He is there to jealously bring warfare on anything that keeps you from bring, being fruitful. So if there is a soul tie, if there is a bondage, if there is a, a wound in your heart that's keeping you from bearing fruit that remains, He will turn His laser sights onto those things and create warfare on those things. Not you. He doesn't fight you. Now we feel the warfare. <laughs> I feel when he's cutting things on my life. I feel it. I, he's there. I sense it. <laughs> right? Anyone remember that? What was that movie? I'm sorry. It just came to me. It's one of those bug movies or something. I don't know. You feel it when he's working. But he's not killing you. He's not crushing you. He's disciplining our life. And it's good for us. He loves to use broken people. He loves to use people that submit to him and say, whatever you need to do. I love the, the Old Testament where he says, um, can the potter not say to the clay, I want to make you into something else? Don't I have that permission? I'm your creator. Can I do something different in your life? And so we're in that state right now where we're just assessing our life. And it's not a self-righteous assessing because I'm not coming in my own strength saying, how can I fix myself? It's, I trust you, God, and I'm, I'm laying down. I'm not fighting you right now, and I want you to go deep in my heart and do whatever you need to do. And if you find something there that's detrimental to my, to my growth, tell me about it and tell me how I can stop those things from being there so that I can become fruitful. Because remember, our number one heart's desire is to be connected to the Father, right? It's to be in right relationship with the Father. Everybody good? And so we're righteous because of what Jesus did, but we're sanctified by allowing him to continue to work in our lives. We're righteous, we're justified because of what Jesus did at the cross, but sanctification is a process of walking out what Jesus paid for, which means he initiates and I respond. Whatever he says, I respond to him. And, and like I said last week, that's a really nice way of saying God commands us and we obey him. He initiates, we respond. God commands, we say yes. It's a really sweet way of saying it, right? But that's really what it is. And that's, that's the process of sanctification. And it's just so dangerous in the, the, the world that we're in now, the Christian world, to be completely honest has this dangerous message of the fullness of the cross and it's easy to stop there and not know what it means to, to, to bring those things into our account where we can use the kingdom in our life.
Like we know that Jesus paid for it all. We know that, it, that we have access to everything Jesus paid for. But we, we stop short because we won't discipline ourselves into a process of being sanctified so that now I know how to use the tools he gave me. My, my papa and my, my dad are very, they're handymen. My papa can fix anything. Um, he just can. And I can sit there and assist him fixing everything. And I feel really good about myself when I'm with my papa. Like, man, we, we built that whole foyer. How awesome is that? But if you put Jared in there to build that foyer, it would not have stood. It would not have even made it, right? Because I don't have the skill set. I don't have the excellence. I don't have the character or the proving of my skills. Character is the proving of your skills. I don't have the things necessary to do what my papa can do. I can assist him. I can be a good assistant. But man, you put those things in my hands and I'm kind of like foolish. I don't know what to do. Even watching YouTube videos, I can still do it wrong, right? (laughs) But something happens when we as believers say, you know, yeah, Jesus can do it all. And when we're walking with Jesus, we can help him. And he tells us, good job, you did it with me, right? But then we try to do it without excellence, without strength, without character. We realize what we really have in our tool belt. You guys okay? All right. Let's read this and try to wrap it up quick. Galatians 4. So what am I saying? What I am saying is that as long as the, the heir is a child, he's no different from a servant. And although he owns the whole estate, he's still subject to the guardians and the trustees until the time set forth by the father. So also, when we were children, we were in bondage under the basic principles of the world. But when time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive, what? Full rights, adoption, full rights as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts. And He says, and He cries out from our hearts, what? Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. There's that root thing that we have to protect. Holy Spirit in us shows us that we're sons and daughters, and He cries out from within us to the Father, Daddy, Father, continually reminding us that we're sons and daughters. It's the most important thing, right? It's relationship. So so you are no longer servants, but sons and daughters. And since you are a son or daughter, God has now made you an heir. In other words, you can have the fullness of His kingdom. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were servants to those who were by nature not even gods. I love in other places, Paul says, even before you came to God, you obeyed the people that told you what to do. You obeyed the prince and the rulers of the world. So how come when you come to Jesus, you won't obey this superior reality? There's this weird thing that goes on, right? But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved again by them all over? You are observing special days and months and seasons of the year. I actually fear for you that somehow I've wasted my time on you. Wow, man, Paul did not ever hold words, did he? Man, I feel like I've wasted time with you. I'm worried about you guys. And then it goes on and on and on, right? And then in chapter 5, you can read this later, 5, 1 through 18. I do not have time to go through that today. But here's what I want to say. It's important that we don't fall into the trap of legalism. 
Yes, we assess ourselves. Yes, we ask for God to, to, to work us in through sanctification. And yes, we require that our faith is partnered with works. Faith without works is, is dead, and works without faith is dead. It takes both. But we still have to be very careful and manage the tension of, I have faith and so I work. Manage the tension of that, and I don't fall into legalism or perfectionism or performance. Everyone okay? See, legalism puts undue emphasis on external controls instead of internal. So anytime, here's how you know that you're struggling with the spirit of legalism. If God comes to us and says, hey, there's an issue in your life that concerns me, and the issue is in your heart. Now, that heart issue may produce fruit that looks like anger, fear, resentment, whatever. But God won't come to me and, and tell me, Always, sometimes he may do this, but he doesn't come and say, you're such an angry person. You're such a fearful person. He doesn't address the external issues that everyone encounters. He comes in and he says, why are you so wounded in your heart? Why, have, why is there unforgiveness in your heart? See the difference. He knows the reason that, that I'm acting outward, outwardly this way is a heart issue. So you always know it's Holy Spirit when he comes and he deals with your heart. And what we have done, and what I'm trying to correct, is that we give Holy Spirit room to do what He does. That we welcome Holy Spirit to speak directly to our hearts. To talk to us in the way we need to be talked to. Because He's doing it for our benefit. Now on the other hand, anytime you hear a voice that comes to you, and says, you're such an angry person. You're, so, you're such a judgmental person. Those are words of condemnation. And those, the, the, what will happen when I hear those things, I don't like to hear that. <laughs> it's not fun when we see that our actions affect and hurt other people, right? And sometimes God will use someone saying, man, you're really a jerk. For me to go and say, God, why am I such a jerk? <laughs> Tell me why I'm such a jerk. That's a good thing. But... A lot of times what we do is someone tells us you're a jerk, you're angry, you're, you're, you're judgmental. And we will try to just hide how angry and judgmental we are. Or we will put on this face where around all of these people, we let them know we're not angry and judgmental. But when we get to our house, our kids can do one stupid little thing and we show how angry we are. So what we have done is we focus on controlling our external behaviors so that people think that we're connected correctly to the Father. We've taken something that should draw us to the secret place with Holy Spirit where He can work with our hearts and say, why are you wounded in your heart? Bring up unforgiveness that we have, whatever it is. Instead, we try to just hide it and suppress our behavior and those that are really the closest to us get the worst of us. And it's all because of legalism and self-righteousness. I am going to make sure people think I'm something that I'm not really. It's the complete opposite of how Holy Spirit deals with us. Is everyone good? And it's really oppression. Have you ever had something about your, your nature that you try to suppress? It can get tiring. When you're, when you're trying to hide something from people... And you feel like you're really good at it. You're, you know, you're making tracks and dusting them as you go, you know. 
after a while, it gets really tired. You make it do it for a little while, and no one knows, no one sees. But then we have that moment where we just slip. It's because we're exercising legalism, and really what we've done is we're trying to have a relationship with the Father and Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It is impossible to have a relationship with the kingdom without Holy Spirit. Amen. We can love the Father with all of our hearts, and we can love Jesus with all of our hearts, but if we don't love Holy Spirit and let Him do what He does in our life, then we're not going to have the kingdom in our life because it takes all three. But here's, here's the problem. It hurts to let our heart be dealt with sometimes. So we would rather work tirelessly on the facade than to actually let our heart be affected. <laughs> Everybody good? There's no greater bondage than living that type of lifestyle. Because I am now bound by the opinion of everyone around me. And I am bound in my confidence in myself. And it's tied to how people see me. And it's completely a trick from the enemy. Because our confidence should never be in how people see us or how people receive us. Our full confidence should be that we're connected to the Father. And the Father's connected to us. Faith works. I am supposed to perform like Jesus on the earth. We're to do what Jesus did, to say what the Father says and do what the Father does. There's action involved, but those actions cannot be done without the power of Holy Spirit. Amen? So these, are, these forces fight against us. And I just felt like I wanted to go here today and we'll pick it up next week. But we have to have Holy Spirit to discern whether or not I'm operating in legalism or maintaining the facade or I'm allowing the heart to be dealt with. I can't in myself know for sure which of these things I've fallen into. I can only know it through the power of Holy Spirit. I, I just want you guys to know how I feel about pastoring. I, I know I will stand before God. I know this. I, don't, I will not only stand before God for me by myself and how I lived my life. I will stand before Him, and everything I attached His Word to, I will give an account for. That's why I feel it's so important where we're at as a church that I go to this place. Because I want to stand before Him in my personal life and have great... Here you go, Jared. Good job. Good. You were a good servant. You served well as a son. You did good. I want to hear that. And then I want Him to say, and, you, and the things you put my name in, good job. The things you said I said, I said those things. Good job. It's the same for everyone here. If God tells us to do something and we say God said, make sure He said it. <laughs> make sure it is true. Don't fake yourself out anymore. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to 
to do this really quickly and, and easily. For, for all of us, don't, don't lie to yourself anymore. I love how Paul, multiple times in his writings, he would say, my conscience is clear. My soul does not condemn me. I want all of us to be able to live where our souls don't condemn us, where the facade doesn't condemn us, but we are who we say we are, and we really are who we say we are. There are two there are two forces that are battling for our life. There's the force of freedom and the force of bondage. All right? Every one of us. Every day we're choosing freedom or bondage. Freedom or bondage. It's our choice. And, and we'll pick this up next week, but in Galatians 5.1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free so that we would never again taste bondage or be under bondage. And so I want to encourage you today Make sure your actions line up with your faith. But the way to do that is to stir up faith in the secret place. Is this making sense? I'm just going away from the notes to try to, um, I know, with time. It's really important that we have a secret place with God and that we stir up and we say, Holy Spirit, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth, Holy Spirit. I can handle it. Brace yourself. Whatever you got to do, lean against the wall. Holy Spirit, tell me the truth. I need to hear it. I don't want to be lied to. I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to go down this path of, of striving for this thing and then end up grasping the air because it was the wrong path. So I just say, Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you. We invite you into our lives. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit right now, invite Holy Spirit into your life. He wants to be in you more than you even realize. He wants to live with you and tell you everything about the kingdom. He wants to tell all the secrets to you. He's sitting there anxiously. How many of you have ever had a secret and you wanted to tell somebody so bad? It was good news. Holy Spirit is sitting there just waiting to tell you secrets, waiting to reveal the secrets of the kingdom, waiting to reveal what it looks like to fully be a son or daughter. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. We need to have relationship with you. We cannot cut you out of this thing. We need to hear you. You are the spirit of truth and you're the spirit of holiness. And your word does say, God, that without holiness, we can't even see you. So we can't even see you, Father, without Holy Spirit. See, in the, in the world we live in, flesh will always give birth to flesh. And spirit will always give birth to spirit. 
Always. Always. Once you stand, we're just going to pray into this, all right? We're going to kind of go maybe old school a little bit. Once you make a connection with someone, either hold someone's hand or put your arm around if it's your husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, someone you'd like to date, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good time for that. And I just want you to pray that you would have an encounter right now with Holy Spirit. Right? Where two or three are gathered, He's there. And when we ask God for anything, if two of us will come into agreement, He will do what we ask for. So would you agree right now for Holy Spirit to come and invade our lives? <laughs> we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. We love you so much. We love you so much, Holy Spirit. You do good work. You're so good. You're so good, Holy Spirit. We surrender to you. See, we have to surrender to Holy Spirit. He will not force Himself. So surrender to Him. We surrender. Yes. <laughs> now reprogram us, Father. Let us make room for Holy Spirit in our lives. Reprogram us. Fix our connection points. We've connected with you as a father, with Jesus as son. Now teach us this new connection with Holy Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Where Spirit gives birth to Spirit. <laughs> Unlock the supernatural inside of us, God. Take control. We yield to you. Why don't you tell them, well, I yield to you, Holy Spirit. And you have the right of way. <laughs> we do not lean on our own strength. We do not lean on our own righteousness any longer. We lean on the righteousness that comes through Jesus by the power of His Spirit. We do not lean on any of our own strength, our own wisdom. It's in Christ alone. <laughs> yeah. Now pray that we will rely on Holy Spirit. I mean, where our confidence is in the Spirit. This is a big deal. It's really a big deal. We put no confidence in the flesh, Father. We put no confidence in the flesh. We put all of our confidence, all of our trust in the Spirit. You speak, we say yes. If you don't speak, we don't sign our name to it either. If you don't go, we don't go. We make that commitment now. And we also say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. 
we will obey the Lord. We will say yes to him when he speaks. So Holy Spirit, we put our confidence in you. We trust you. We trust you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, God. Now take us on adventures. Come on, ask him for adventures now. <laughs> We're tired of the same old paths, God. We're tired of the same old, same old. We want to go on new adventures, life-filled adventures, God. It is supposed to be exciting to be in the kingdom. It is supposed to be fulfilling to be in the kingdom. God, awaken us from apathy that comes from life outside of the Spirit. Connect us now to the supernatural Spirit. Connect us now to the life source, God. In you is life. And that life was the light of men, God. Give us the revelation of that scripture. In you was life, and that life was the light that emanates from us, God. We are in you. We are in you. We are connected to you, and you're in us. And you said if we abide in you, and you abide in us, then we can have the fullness of the kingdom. So we ask for the kingdom, God. Why don't you ask him for something big? God, we ask you for the kingdom. We ask you for souls, God. The souls of all those on my soccer teams, Lord. All those that I'm connected to, I ask that you help them all know you, God. All those I've coached in the past, God, we ask for their souls right now. For Coach Knight, God, I pray for his soul. I don't know if he knows you or not. I know he's a good man, but I ask for his soul, God. For his son, Jaden, God, good kid. I ask that you would touch him right now. Oh, God, for Ishmael and Muhammad on our team, God, I pray for their souls, God. I pray that they would know you intimately, God. I pray for their parents. I pray for Leroy and Dash, God. I pray that you would touch them right now, deeply in their hearts. We ask for Coach Benton, God. I ask you to touch him, touch his family. In Jesus' name. God, give us our household. Come on, how many have loved ones that aren't, that aren't connected to the Father? Who cares the behavior, the connection's the issue. God, I ask that everyone in my family would be connected to you. Even those that claim Christianity, God, please let all of us be connected to you and be really connected to you. Lord, I claim all of them. Anyone connected to my family, even if they're friends, God, we call them our family. We ask that you would bring them into relationship with you. Because, God, we know that when we've lost our soul and you give it back to us, there's nothing more precious. So we declare that over our family, that you will find them. It's the reason Jesus came, was to seek and to save those who were lost. God, bring them into the kingdom. Draw them into the kingdom. Holy Spirit, woo them. Holy Spirit, woo them. Can I tell you something about Holy Spirit? He's the life of the party. I mean it. If, how many have ever been at, been at a party and there's that one or two people in the room that just have it and everyone wants to be around them? They make it more fun? That is who Holy Spirit is. He has woo. He woos people. It's a gift and He has it. He doesn't reject people or cause people to want to run from Him. He woos people. So Holy Spirit, I pray that, that as we 
continue and condition our relationship with you, that you would woo people through us. (sighs) I don't feel like I have woo, but with Holy Spirit, I have woo. (laughs) It's true. There's a gift book. I don't even remember. uh, One of the gifts is literally called woo. They have the ability to woo people. How many want woo today? (laughs) Woo, yeah. Raise your hand if you want woo, because I really don't have it. I repel people. God, give me woo. Give me woo, God. (laughs) No more. I'm not off anymore to the mosquitoes. I want to woo them. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You want to close it? Thank you, babe. He has woo. You won't forget that. And you have woo. <laughs> um, I really do. I want to, um, if you've been hurt or offended,